0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Well, welcome back, Abundant Life. How are you today? Good to see you. You're doing well? You look good. How many of you ate well for Thanksgiving? Wow. I tell you what, you guys look really good for eating so good. I'll tell you what. Joel Lowry told me he had five Thanksgiving dinners. Is that right, Joel? That is amazing. Look how thin you are. Man, that works a great diet. Keep doing that. Keep it up, man. Well, it's good to be back with you and good to see you out. And uh, yes, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, I want to let you know, uh, because of your generosity, last week for Heart for the House, we brought in over $30,000. So come on, can you give Jesus praise for that? Which is wonderful. 800 of that is brought in by our kids alone. Isn't that really amazing? That is so good. You can continue to give to that as uh, it's going towards two wells, uh, one in Kenya, one in Senegal. And we're going to keep that open for the next couple of weeks here. I know there's some of you that weren't able to be with us. You can give online. You can give physically. If you're writing a check, you can put Heart for the House on the bottom of that check as well. Well, we're here today. This is our last part of the message for 1 Peter. Persevering Together has been our series title for this, and uh, this is nine weeks of this series as we've gone through. But uh, as you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 5 today, that's what we're going to come and talk about. I want to remind you, next Sunday, Brad and Rebecca Bichelle will be with us leading worship and singing some of their Christmas songs. They're going to be here, and it's going to be an amazing time. Invite somebody out next Sunday. Both services here, Brad and Rebecca will be with us. It's always a joy to have them back. Our theme, as we've said, is persevering together as a church, together pressing through, together in the struggles. And you got to be reminded of this, that Peter writes this letter, as we've been saying every week, to a church literally in exile. That's where they were. Persecution, hardship have driven them from their homelands. And he talks a lot through these five chapters about suffering, frustration, patience, and it's really clear why this is so relevant to us today. And so he speaks in the first four verses of chapter 5 to shepherds and overseers of the flock. And I'm not going to read that. Those are really important. You can read that on your own. But as we go through, we're going to really concentrate on verses 5 through 10 today because it's going to wrap up this book. Listen, this might be the most encouraging message you did not want to hear today, but it's going to be good. Because how many of you know the Christian life is hard? If you really were honest, But it's far better than the alternatives, Uh, but it's not necessarily easier. In fact, following Jesus sometimes intensifies the hardships that you and I live with. How many of you have ever realized that? As you're serving Christ and as you're getting closer to Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that it's always easier. Isn't that true? Because you're trying to please Him, but you know the pull of the flesh is coming against us and drawing us back from God's best all the time. But it's really important to know that the Christian life isn't always easy. But there's a promise through the Word of God, through the work of His Spirit. And 1 Peter keeps talking about this through every chapter. And here, the last verses, we're going to look at how not just to survive in a hostile, chaotic world, but how to thrive in this world, how to overcome. You know, there's so many survivor shows out there, How to Survive This, you know, Survivor. I've looked them up, Naked and Afraid. Then there's Man vs. Wild, Out of the Wild, Worst Case Scenario, I Survived, I Shouldn't Be Alive, Beyond Survival. And maybe my favorite title, title, which I've never watched, this is Fat Guys in the Woods, you know, Fat Guys in the Woods. But This passage is more than just surviving. It's thriving in a hostile world. So if you're there with me, verse 5, he says this, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Literally, you have to put on humility as you're ministering to one another and loving each other because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourself, therefore, into the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded and be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone that he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your, your fellow believers throughout the world. I want to talk to you today about how to live an overcoming life. How to overcome, because I'm going to pull it right from these Scripture verses in 1 Peter 5. The first one is is embrace that waiting is normal. Embrace that waiting is normal. You know, waiting on God is a normal part of the Christian life. Sometimes we don't think it is, but it's in Scripture that you're going to see this, that God can change anything, but you and I are going through some things today. Maybe you're going through uh, suffering. Maybe it's a fiery trial. Maybe you've been a victim of injustice, and uh, you want God to change, and you're not sure why He hasn't done it yet. You're probably there today, and that's the backdrop for the following verses, where He says in verse five, "Humble yourself before God." Seven, cast your care on Him while you wait. If if you and I just knew help was just right around the corner, you might just hang on a little bit longer. Isn't that true? But it's, maybe if it's going to be a while, you need him to help you share the heavy burden. You know, how many of you know with our own kids, you know, when they're packing up, they got their, you know, they got their book pack, backpacks and, they, you know, you're going on a journey. Maybe you're going to an amusement park. Maybe you're going on a hike. They're going to load that thing up. Those kids are in their room packing it in there. And uh, how many of you know you barely get out the door and they want you, mom or dad, to carry that for them, right? And that's the same thing that God wants to do for you and for me today, from the heavy burdens that we are are carrying with us, that he knows. And Jesus knows, you know, when it's going to be a long day, let me carry it. I'll take it. Verse 6, at the proper time, that's his proper time and not ours, right? We wish it was, that he will exalt you. When he decides the time is right and his purposes have been accomplished, he will restore He will establish, He will strengthen, and He will support you. And after you've suffered, verse 10, for a little while, He'll restore and establish you. Well, we don't even know how how long a little while is. And that's the point, that waiting on God is a normal part of the Christian life. I I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting, right? Do you like waiting? I don't like waiting, right? But if our Bible shows us anything, it shows us that waiting is the normal experience of God's children. When you read the prophets, when you read the Psalms, you are struck with how much of their lives were spent in a posture of waiting. The prophet Jeremiah, who spent many years unjustly imprisoned in a dungeon, has a whole book called Lamentations where he cries out, Why, God, where are you? Where are you? David in the Psalms say things like this, I'm in a pit. My enemies have overwhelmed me. My friends have betrayed me. Darkness is my only friend. Why do you feel so far from me, God? Before God performed the Exodus, Israel waited 400 years in slavery. That's like, what, 10 to 20 generations, you know? Israel waited 400 years between the last prophet of the Old Testament and the birth of Jesus. Other heroes like Joseph sat in prison waiting on God. Or Job, who waited for years before God restored his fortunes back to him. And here in 1 Peter, Peter expects us to wait as well. Here's something we don't want to hear, but it is true on this first point. Waiting on God is a normal part of our Christian life. The prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations 3.26 says, It is good, it is good that one should wait quietly, quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for you. It's good for me to wait quietly, to wait on his salvation. Andrew Murray calls waiting in prayer and waiting on God the most essential part of the Christian life. The highest expression of salvation, the only true expression of Christianity. Why? Because it's in that posture of waiting. We have this sense of hopelessness, right? that we're waiting on God, and we as Americans don't like to wait, do we? We think we should get it now, and it should be ours to be had, right? We say it, it should be now, but it's in that posture of waiting where God has us, where he is going to show up. And here's the good news. God promises good things to those who wait on him. Amen? He says this in Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Those that wait for me shall not be put to shame. And Peter says, God will exalt and God will restore and establish and strengthen and support you. And uh, how many of you know that no one who has ever waited on God has ever been let down? Isn't that true? Never. You won't be the first because he's always going to come through and he will be there for you. So let me ask you today where are you waiting right now on the goodness of God in your life? Where are you right now waiting on the goodness of God? Where is that? Maybe you jot that down just as that place today. Where are you waiting for the goodness of God? Every person in this room is waiting for God to show up some way, somehow on something and for something in their life. Maybe it's, you know, your child that's running from God, the prodigal. It's being uh, treated unfairly wherever it is. Maybe it's financial duress. You need guidance. Maybe it's you need support in the situation you're good going through, but it's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, the Bible says. He will establish you and strengthen you. You know, in this, you got to realize, Peter is not only talking about this help as if it's just in heaven only. He's expecting earthly fulfillment of God's goodness. He's expecting God to show up in their lives. And sometimes Christians think, well, it will all be better when we get to heaven because heaven's the only place where all the answers will be. But in Psalms, David asked pretty bluntly in in Psalm 30 verse 9, are dead people able to praise you, God? Can they proclaim your unfailing goodness? No, but I'm convinced that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not in the land of the dead. Amen. It's in the land of the living that even now that the goodness of God can show up on your behalf. Joseph and Job and David all got to see God's goodness break out in their lives in the land of the living. And Peter is expecting that for you and for me as well. Jesus was not resurrected in bodily form on the earth so that his followers followers could just manage, you know, kind of a slow retreat and make it to heaven by the skin on their teeth. Right? Right? He overcame the powers of death. So we can be convinced that God is working on our behalf and we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. If you believe that, say amen. Waiting is normal. Number two, humble yourself. This is part of the effective waiting. In context, it means a couple things. The first is in the, in, in, as you humble yourself, you receive it. This is the time as you're waiting on God for the goodness of God in your life and you don't rage against it because how many of you know in the waiting we get pretty upset sometimes, don't we? We can get pretty mad. The second aspect is admit you need help because pride says, I don't need anybody's help. I can get through this. It's really not an addiction. It's not a crisis. I can fix all my own problems. This is an invitation that you and I need to admit our help. Be humble and stop pretending that we can do it ourselves. Listen, the only thing you need to access God's help is a need. All you need is a need today. How many of you in this room today, and those of you at home, how many of you in this room, in all honesty, say, you know what, I have a need today. I have a need. I have a need. The only one that's not raising his hands, that gentleman there, who who is sleeping already. Thank God he's getting rest. Glory to God. Humble yourselves. Glory to Jesus. But all you and I need is a need today to access God's presence, right? Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of two men who went into the temple to pray. One man was religiously and professionally so accomplished in that he has this sense of self-sufficiency, I can do it. That's what filled his heart as he prayed. Jesus said that God did not even listen to that man. But by contrast, the Bible says, a man in the back, a despised sinner with a messed up life, so ashamed to be in church that he sat in the back where no one could see him. That man left with the help that he needed because he humbly responded to God for the need that was in his heart. All you need is a need. All you need is a need, and you can get God's help today. Number three, cast all your care and all your cares upon him. Literally, in the Greek, it means you got to hurl that thing. That's what it means. Cast it and leave it. Not just pray about it, but you're casting it. We're so good at giving it to God but taking it back again when we leave or when we end our time in prayer. He says, you know what, hurl it at me. Hurl it. Actually, make me responsible for that problem. Set it on my shoulders today so I can carry it for you. You know what's interesting, the Greek word, Translated care or anxiety comes from a word meaning to divide. Have you noticed how anxiety divides and distracts our minds so that we cannot focus on anything? Someone stated it like this. Jesus is willing to be fully responsible for the things that we are anxious about. He's willing to be fully responsible today in your anxiety, whatever it is. It's like the boss that hired a man at $50 an hour. To worry for him. And a friend asked, well, how will you pay for him? He answered, that's for him to worry about. Right? Now, how many of you know in the waiting doesn't mean you don't do anything about it? Right? Right? That you just sit there with it. But but that, yes, we're giving it to God, but in it we're still working and moving and our faith is still going forward. But but the weight of solving it is just not on you alone. You now have given it to God for him to help bear under it. Hurl it on me. Make me the owner of it, God says. And I'm able to solve it. You know, when a, what a friend we have in Jesus. Remember this chorus? All our griefs with him we share. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer today. The other thing is, cast is in the Greek really... The participle that modifies the verb, humble yourselves. In other words, casting is a form of humility. The opposite of casting, which is worry, is an expression of pride. So if you can give what you're worried about and anxious about to God today, that is a form of humility before Him. Number four, be sober minded. He says that's the next portion. You need to be sober-minded. If you are going to live an overcoming life, you have to be sober-minded. You see, you've got to be sober. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone that he can devour. There, there is an enemy in this world to kill you, steal, and destroy from you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy the work of God in your life. He wants to destroy your family, just period, today. But C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, said that Christians make two two primary mistakes in regard to Satan. Some, he says, give Satan too much credit. Every flat tire is caused by a demon. Any sin in their life, that's Satan. Satan got me fired. Nope, that's you coming to work 10 days late in a row. You got yourself fired. You're the devil. All right? Well, that's one mistake, but on the other side, perhaps even more problematic are those that don't recognize him at all. You know, my, my son just made bad choices, got in with some wrong friends. The enemy is at work, that's for sure. Something your family is going through, something plaguing your work world, the church. And this is what Peter's calling us to. Listen, in, in the book of Job, Satan is the one that caused Job's financial issues, family strife, he makes weather problems, health problems. Some of the things that you're dealing with today are from Satan, and we need to realize that because Satan is described in the Bible as the prince and the power of the what? He's the prince of the power of the air, right? That's what the Bible says. He's everywhere. Don't we see him roaring today? We see the effects of that in the world that we live in in our own lives. That problems plaguing our society and our community, in the church. Listen, in the world, in an average month, over 300 Christians are killed for following Jesus. See, over 200 churches get destroyed by vandalism every week right now. Over 800 Christians will be beaten, tortured, and imprisoned due to their faith in, in other countries. We, we shouldn't forget our brothers and sisters in Christ who are paying the price for following Jesus. Let me tell you something. You may say, well, that's just in another land. But but we should also realize that Satan has his own plan for the church in the West. I see him like you see him at work in marriages, families. Whatever is going on that you see, make no mistake, he wants your complete destruction. He's coming for you. And that's not a fear statement. It's just what Peter's pointing out here. That, listen, you need to be sober-minded. And then five, be alert. Notice he said, Satan roars. You know, lions, they roar when they feel they've won or there's conquering. And they have two modes, stealth or roar. Stealth when they're hunting their prey, roar when they have them. And Peter says we can hear him roaring in various parts of the world. And if you can't hear him roaring today, it's because he's in stealth mode. Be alert, the Bible says. My burden is that so many people are totally unaware of the work of the devourer in the world that we live in. Whether it's compromise, whether it's a foothold in your life, not staying close enough to God, those things. And listen, I looked up some research. The odds of being attacked by a shark is 1 in 3.7 million. Grizzly bear, 1 in 2.1 million. And uh, your chances of being attacked by a supernatural lion, not the lion of the tribe of Judah, is one out of one. And sometimes we're not even aware of it, but he's roaring. There's stealth mode, but he's still there. Number six, resist the devil. That's in verse 9. You may feel overwhelmed right now, but Peter says you can overcome. Why? Not because you're stronger than him, but because Jesus has defeated him on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it's finished. And Revelation 20 verse 9 tells us the final battle between Satan and Jesus. And this little bit of spoiler alert. It's not going to be a big fight. Jesus is just going to say the word. It's going to take a couple seconds and it's over. Right? See, the point is, through that, I and you can bring that kind of confidence to the fight that we have today. With the devourer. The, the point is you don't need to fear what the enemy is doing, but you should not ignore him either. You, you should come with, uh, to the fight with weapons of warfare, not weapons of flesh, whether it's wisdom our own or, or resolve our own or our personality. If you bring those things, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. What we need is the weapons of the Spirit. Be frequent in prayer. Stay close to your Father in heaven. Repent and confess your sin daily. Memorize the word. Keep faithfully doing the right thing. Don't just give in and go along. Fight. That's what Peter is saying. Here's another one I'd like to say because it is stay in community. Peter writes this to a letter to a community of believers like you and me. I remember hearing a story from Crawford LaRitz about the famous Maasai warriors in Kenya. When they're walking around with their sheep and all their sheep start getting skittish and start seeing some grass that isn't swaying with the rest of the wind, they said, it's there that we know where the lion is. There we know the enemy is present. So what do they do? Do they run at it? No, you don't run at a lion. You get together with the other warriors and you just start making noise to agitate it. Then when the lions attack, you band together. But he says the Maasai warrior, when he the the story he was saying when he was attacked, he said, when the lion fell on me, my fellow warriors fell on the lion, and the lion was killed. The brothers were not. This is the beauty and the strength of the body of Christ in these days that we know the enemy is out there roaring. But do you have a community of believers that you are with? That when the enemy comes at you, they can fall on the lion and you will be spared and the enemy will be killed. The great falling away has already happened and beginning, it's, it's already continued to happen in the body of Christ. The last two, three years have shown this to be true. Because the Bible says in the last days there'll be great falling away. That's, that's, that's been happening for a long time. It shouldn't catch us by surprise. It's still happening. What's amazing to me is I can only speak for this church, but I know it's happened in other churches, but I can speak. There's people that have walked out of Abundant Life Church over the last couple of years and have said, oh, no, we're just going to be at home with our own family, and we don't have any other supporting community around us. There should be warning flags that are going up in the body of Christ like crazy when that happens, because you have now alienated yourself, and let me tell you something. The enemy you've allowed to alienate you will soon attack you. Well, for whatever reason, this, they did this. They didn't do that. They, and so, so they're not surrounded by any warriors. I don't know about you, but I need warriors around me. Amen? Don't need people cowering and running. We need warriors. And the way you do that is in community. Because I don't know what you're going through if you're not in community. You don't know what I'm going through if you're not in community. Right? But when you're in community, when the devourer comes to attack, the warriors land on the enemy. And there is victory rather than the enemy being allowed to take one of us out. I want to encourage you to be in community. There's strength in community. Seven last, which is great how he ends this. Embrace grace, verse 10. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you After you have suffered for a little while, to him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Silvanus, a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly in order to encourage you to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. The God of all grace. What a way to end this great book the God of all grace. Chances are you and I haven't waited perfectly. We maybe haven't fully humbled ourselves all the time in it or even trusted God. Maybe hasn't even been sober or awake and alert. And maybe we haven't resisted Satan. But I want to remind you today there's one that it has, and his name is Jesus, that in the greatest hour of temptation, that trial occurred on earth in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples slept, Jesus had to wake them up three times, but he still went and died for them, and he still secured their victory. See, when you sleep, when you mess up, he still got you. At any point, no matter how bad you messed up, you can still turn to him, that I need you. All you need is a need today. I've messed up, and, I, and now, God, I'm ready to do it your way. That the, as the Bible says, it, it, Chapter 5, the God of all grace stands ready today to receive you and me. No matter how bad we've messed up. I love that. I'm glad he ends this chapter this way, amen. The God of all grace. Living, Living for God's heart. We've talked about that. Not living for God is even harder. How many of you know that? We serve the one, Jesus Christ, who's got dominion, that he overcame the world. And so I want to close with this, 1 Peter 5, 14, that we've heard many times, greeting one another with a kiss of love, or a holy kiss, your word may say. It. Now, let's, let's not do that today. Let's not greet one another with a kiss of love. How about an air high five instead? Yeah, man, yeah, it's great. There's so much sickness going around. The point is not the kiss, but it's the physical gesture that shows up that we're family and we're in this together. That, that's the truth of the matter. You know, years back, a, a saint of the church, she's now passed on, gone on to be with the Lord, Mabel Gibbons. We came to the church. She was here. She would kiss everybody. And I remember one Sunday um, going home, and I had a white collar on, and there was lipstick on my collar. She's like, where "Where, uh, would you get the lipstick on your collar? I said, it was Mabel Gibbons. You know, 90-year-old Mabel, right? (laughs) But she always greeted everybody with a kiss. There's a real beauty in that, amen. We're not going to do that today. But he's talking about the gesture. We're family. We love each other. We're humbly connected to one another through Jesus Christ. And then he ends this by saying, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peace. What a message that our world needs today, doesn't it? Peace to your homes. Peace to your school. Peace to our community. To this nation. To the nations of the earth today. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Today, if you've come with a need, I want you to know that you can release that need today, and you can hurl it on him, cast it on him. Let him have it, will you? Quit grappling with it. By faith, just come and yield it and submit it to him today and say, God, I have a need here, and I'm not able to lift it any longer. But I need you to reach down, and I need you to help me up. So that I can bear under this load. That's the promise of Scripture. That He is there with us. Encourage you and strengthen you. That you and I are called to live an overcoming life. And that's what First Peter chapter five has to say to us today. Father, thank you for your son Jesus. That's why we're here today. You've called every person in this room or online, Lord, to live an overcoming life in you. If you've never made that choice today to come to Christ, to be a follower of Him, I'm not just being called a Christian in title only, but a true follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can do that in this moment. And it's in this moment that you can invite Him into your life so that He can change you, that He can take away your darkness and your sin your rebellion at this moment, and He can set you free to be a follower after Him. The Lord, I pray for any person right now that accepts you as Lord, that you have promised to come in to their life, to forgive them of their sin. Lord, we thank you for who you are in us. I pray for every person in this room today that has a need in their heart, that they just need to give and release to you, Lord, rather than carrying it with them. Rather than walking out of this place today and they're going to be so encumbered with it this afternoon or tomorrow morning. God, we just come as an act of humility and release the stuff that just keeps weighing us down, God. Thank you for taking it now. Thank you for setting the captive free, Lord, in this room. You've never called us to carry these things, Lord, with us day in and day out. That's not the calling in Christ Jesus. The calling is to yoke with you and release this burden that weighs heavily upon our hearts today, God. Father, I thank you for it. But Lord, we come, be sober and alert, Lord. We would embrace the grace that you have given to us. Lord, individually and corporately as a church. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus today. Lord, I pray for marriages in this room, homes, families, Lord, that have been affected by the destruction of the devourer. Lord, we stand against it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would run for for help from the other warriors that you've placed around them in Jesus' name. Lord, help them to fall upon the lion, the, the enemy that would try to come and destroy them. And Lord, we as surrounding warriors would come and lift them up and encourage them and pray for them, Lord, today for every need. Maybe there's a sickness, there's disease, oh God, that today that We would surround each other, brothers and sisters in Christ, and lay hands upon them and pray for them today and that, Lord, that the prayer of faith would raise them up and that they would be healed in the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, heal our land, heal our country today. We are desperate. The enemy is walking the streets of this nation and trying to devour, trying to devour believers and trying to uh, devour the work of God in our lives. Oh, Lord, may we stand upon Your truth in these days. May we live for You. May we live, Lord, with the righteousness that You have given to us. Father, I pray that for us today as we leave this place, that, God, we would leave here people that are free and no longer held and bound by the devourer. Lord, I thank you for making us overcomers. You've made us overcomers because of your shed blood and because the word of our testimony. So, Lord, thank you for our testimonies, because with your shed blood as we leave here and tell other people our testimony, we have overcome the enemy. And we are overcomers in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.